podcast. We have Aaron Wolfram joining me. Uh, the conversation that I, I want to focus on with with this pod, these podcasts, is to is to address the idea of of the importance of curiosity and how we grow within that curiosity. And so I, I met Aaron a couple of years ago, and I heard about the new endeavor that she's working on right now, and it was it seemed to embody that whole idea of trying trying something new, seeing how it goes. And uh, so I want to welcome Aaron to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. So happy to be here. <laughs> Great. Um, so I, I guess just to kind of start out with, um, let's just get into sort of, your, sort of your background. Yeah, so um, initially right out of college, I was a high school English teacher. And uh, that didn't last very long. Quickly found out that that was definitely the wrong career path for me after, uh, really after one year uh, of being a high school teacher. <laughs> and um, I went ahead and did it for, for two more years. And um, you know, after that, I, my first passion was always psychology. And so I decided to, to give that another shot and uh, ended up going to graduate school in, in counseling psychology. And um, that led me into career counseling, which is, is where I've, I've been for the last um, almost 15, 15 years now. Oh, and um, yeah, so I, we're, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more mm -hmm. um, or a lot more, but I spent uh, a lot of time at the University of Kansas in higher education and academia. And uh, most recently, I transitioned into being a, a, a new business owner. So I now run and operate or own and operate, excuse me, uh, Career Advantage, which is a, a full service uh, career consulting company. All right, fantastic. Um, yeah, so so I think one of the things that I, that I had asked you about uh, just just planning for this podcast is to talk about the, the, the differences that you're feeling now after working sort of in the private, the public sector for a while at a, at a state university and then jumping into the private sector. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I, I went back to school to get a, a degree in counseling psychology, a graduate degree in counseling psychology. And um, my intention was to become a mental health therapist. That's what I thought I was going to do. That is what I wanted to do, um, you know, in high school. That's what I thought I was going to major in and um, in my bachelor's degree. And so that was my intention. Um, I never intended to work in higher education. It was never anything that I had considered or, or thought about. And it was actually through experiential learning, which I know we're going to talk about a lot about today, mm -hmm. um, that I found that, um, you know, mental health just really wasn't a good fit for, for me. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I was very passionate about the subject. I liked learning about mental health and, um, you know, reading about it and, and discussing it and, um, like I said, studying it, but the actual practice uh, just, just wasn't a good fit for me. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, through that, that practicum experience, I, I found that out, but, um, while I was doing that practicum, uh, a friend actually connected me to an opportunity at the university career center at the university of Kansas. And she worked there as just a, you know, a part-time graduate student. And she said, Hey, we have an opening. Would you be interested? And so, you know, career coaching or career counseling, again, was nothing that I'd ever, I'd never even heard of it, honestly. You know, I grew up in a small town and I never used any of those services when I, I went to Kansas State. And so I didn't really know much about it. 
And, uh, you know, she told me about the office and what she was doing. And, you know, it sounded really interesting. It was something that I could use my counseling skills and, you know, the, the knowledge that I was gaining in my graduate program, but in a different way. And so that's how I kind of fell into to higher education um, initially. And from there, after I graduated, you know, I really liked it. And they had a full-time opening at the, the University Career Center. And um, luckily they hired me full-time as an assistant director. So um, that's kind of how I ended up there. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started there, I found there was a lot of opportunity. There was a lot of opportunity for growth. Um, skill development. I learned so much in the beginning, and I was very fortunate to uh, receive some promotions and and move up, you know, over the years, and mm-hmm. that was fantastic. And then, you know, suddenly there came a point where, you know, after about ten years or so, I started to realize, um, at least in my mind, there wasn't. Um, there really wasn't a, a, a next step for me. I couldn't mm-hmm. really figure out where I could go next in, in academia or in higher education. And I think part of that was because um, I did not have an EDD or a PhD. And I already had two master's degrees. Um, I mentioned the, the one in counseling psychology, and, and I'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but um, I also earned a, a master's degree in educational technology and uh, was able to really utilize those skills in the positions that I'd had. But um, really to move up to that next level, a lot of the um, departments were kind of expecting that EDD or PhD. Mm-hmm. And especially to get to like the director level, which is where ultimately right. I wanted to go. Right. And, you know, honestly, there was just nothing that I was passionate about enough to, to spend that kind of time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so nothing really compelled me to want to do that. And so I kind of felt stuck, you know? And um, I know, Kevin, that you just somewhat recently in the past few years, you earned your PhD. Um, So I I don't know if you mind if I ask, but kind of what compelled you to do that? Yeah, so it's kind of sort of the opposite for me. I I was passionate about a certain topic that I wanted to get a PhD in. And but it's interesting, I'm I'm not in that work right now. music is my background and I, I performed classical and jazz and I, I taught low brass lessons and stuff like that in the early 2000s. Um, I earned, earned a master's in performance in 2002 and then um, was looking at, you know, was teaching trombone lessons and stuff like that. And then um, was looking at getting a, a DMA in trombone. Um, but in 2004, I developed a muscle issue in my in my mouth so I wasn't actually able to play the horn anymore um which really sort of shut down like my ability to perform and it's really hard to teach that way too and it really affected my relationship with music too because it was just unbelievably frustrating because I had I was aware of all my skills and 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 experience with it but I just physically could not do it Um, wow yeah so I, I had to kind of figure out all right, well, what's, what's next here? And um, so then I got into teaching music, music appreciation classes and music theory and stuff like that. So then I got into um, 
uh, second master's program in musicology. And I really enjoyed that um, at University of South Dakota. And the next step for that then really uh, to teach music history is the PhD. And so that, that's what brought me down to the University of Kansas. Um, and so I, I had a GTA um, as a PhD student. And then once that expired, then I had, I had to find some employment and Sort of long story short, I ended up in experiential ed at the School of Pharmacy, and that's where I still am. And that's how I arrived to the the work of experiential ed. But it's it's been a while. It's taken me a while to sort of recognize that we don't have a linear path, and it's just winding, right. and and you end up in odd places. Um, I didn't grow up uh, aspiring to be an assistant director of spiritual education. <laughs> Um, does anyone like (laughs) does anyone that grow up saying I want to be an assistant director in higher education yeah yeah I want to know I want to find that child who who says that you know yeah yeah but you know it's wild my you know my father was a minister and so I grew up with that that idea of you know college that he went to seminary which is basically grad school and then he was placed in a church and that's that's the career and that's how it's supposed to work right and right um, it's not how it's worked for me and, and you know i've right. discovered with all the people i've met that's not really how it works for a lot of people <laughs> exactly exactly i mean it sounds like you know we both just kind of fell into to academia and higher education it was never never intentional you know and i think i think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today is like mm-hmm. like you said paths are very you know windy and and you just just fall into these situations. And yeah. um, I mean, so, so like I said, I mean, you know, I just wasn't passionate enough about something, you know, like you were, you know, to take that next step and, and get that, um, that ED or PhD. And, and I mean, quite honestly, I'd already spent enough money and time with the two mm-hmm. master's degrees, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, one thing that, you know, is just frustrating to me, I think in general, a lot of times is, you know, whether it's in academia or, you know, other, um, you know, industries, a lot of times people, I, I feel like spend a little too much, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they focus a little too much on education, I think. And, you know, that credential mm-hmm. where, yeah, yes, you know, education provides you with that foundation that you need. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I really wish that sometimes the experience was, was given a little bit more weight. And I mean, there are some industries where it is absolutely, but I just found in my particular situation that, um, you know, my experience, although very good and very, um, you know, vast and my strengths and skills were, I feel pretty good. Um, just in order to take that next step in academia, I really needed that, that, you know, that next degree. And so, um, I mean, since I wasn't interested in that, um, that's what kind of made me start thinking that I needed to start looking you know, outside of academia. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, you know, sort of looking for jobs and just kind of seeing what was out there. And um, eventually I, I ended up leaving um, and I had a, a stint in a, a sort of educational organization for about a year. And um, I just found that I still wasn't able to use my strengths and I wasn't gaining new skills. And uh, the reason for me leaving was to try to to, to grow, you know, and build mm-hmm. and um, eventually kind of move up. And I just found that that, that really wasn't going to happen. And um, 
from that, that's, that's how I learned about the opportunity. Um, that career advantage was, was for sale. And, uh, I jumped on it. I mean, career services was my, you know, background. That's what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I really felt, you know, the main difference between, you know, academia and this new endeavor is that now, I mean, I really get to use my skills and strengths to the fullest capacity. And I mean, really, you know, once I fully, hopefully figure out what in the heck I'm doing, (laughs) um, you know, I have unlimited potential. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm in control of my own life now. I, yeah. you know, I am going to work as hard as I possibly can to, to get where I want to be. And, um, you know, there, there's nothing really holding me back other than just my own, that myself, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think that that's the biggest difference, you know, between, you know, just academia and, and being a, a new business owner or being self-employed is just, there's not those limitations. Yeah. And I mean, although very scary, um, it's also, you know, it's really exciting. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to kind of seeing, seeing where it goes. And I mean, hopefully it goes well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's really fantastic. It's really exciting. Um, the, the transition, when you were trying to figure out, you know, you know, picture yourself back in that position at the University of Kansas still and trying to figure out what, what you needed to do next. Did you find yourself um, reminding yourself to listen to your, your own advice that you've given to students or was it, um, I mean, can you describe that thought process a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about academia and higher education is all of the opportunities that were given to me. Um, There, I had so many opportunities, especially like I said at the beginning, that I took advantage of where I was able to gain new skills and participate in professional development and, um, you know, just really capitalize on and every opportunity that I could. And so thinking about, you know, my advice to students, I would tell them to do that, you know, immerse themselves into what they're passionate about and to get involved as much as possible and to do experiential learning and things like that. And so, um, I I was given the opportunity in the summer of 2017 to participate in the National Association of Colleges and Employers uh, Management and Leadership Institute. And that was really a a huge turning point for me, I I feel like. Um, That was a a five-day intense leadership development program for career services professionals. And it walked, we were a cohort of, I think there were 60 of us, I believe. And um, it was, it was Monday through Friday, you know, eight to 6 PM every day. And they taught us, you know, key leadership skills and strategies for career services in higher education. So we talked about uh, strategic planning and budgeting and finance and ethics and marketing and advertising, you know, all of those things. Yeah. And while I was there, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, it was such a fantastic experience. And I just really started to think about what I wanted to do with my own life, where I wanted to go next. And from that experience, I told myself what I tell the students, you need to take advantage of every opportunity. You need to find the opportunities mm-hmm. and and, and take advantage of them. And 
um, you know, a lot of those opportunities were absolutely free and they were things that I knew about, but just, you know, I'm highly introverted. So it's hard for me to just kind of, you know, put myself out there. And, um, but I told myself that I had to do that. And, um, you know, if I was telling my students to do that, I need to do that. And, you know, one of the opportunities that I took advantage of was the, the staff fellows program. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's actually where you and I met. Right, and, right. you know, I had colleagues at the, the career center who had gone through that program. So I knew about it. And um, I just had never really thought about it myself for whatever reason. I don't know why. But after going through uh, Management and Leadership Institute, I came back and I, I told my director, I said, I, I want to be a staff fellow. You know, I really mm -hmm. want to do this. Um, he was very supportive in all professional development, which, which I greatly appreciated. And so, um, you know, that was kind of the first thing that I did when I got back to um, kind of push myself outside of my comfort zone and, and take advantage of a free opportunity right. um, that was available to me. And, um, you know, after that, I, I really started reading a lot of leadership books and things like that that were recommended to me. And um, then I part participated in another uh, career services leadership program in 2018 or 2019. I, I can't remember for sure. Um, I think it was summer of 2018. And uh, that, no, it was 2019. It was called um, Aspire. And that was through the Career Leadership Collective. And again, you know, I was just surrounded by all of these sort of mid-level um, career services professionals who mm -hmm. aspired to be directors <laughs> and leaders. And um, I, I had a very interesting experience there. Um, I loved what I was learning. I was gaining new skills, but that made me realize that I think I needed to move on. Okay. That I realized that I just wasn't going to get to where I wanted to be in higher education. Um, I, I'm not able to move really out of, you know, Northwest Kansas. And so the opportunities are few and far between. And so that's, that made me think like, okay, you need to, you need to think of, of something different outside of higher education in order to, um, to really grow and, yeah. and get to where you want to be. So. It's really interesting. You know, it, it, when you look back on, on a transition, you can see sort of the, the key moments, but you don't necessarily understand that those you're standing at the key moment at the time. But, you know, once in a while, there are those, those clear times where it's like, okay, you know what, something's got to change. And, and you would have maybe had that aha moment if you hadn't participated in that program. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was very weird. Like it just hit me, you know, somebody <laughs> in my, my cohort said something and it just, it just hit me. And I, I came back and I, I told my husband, I said, you know, I, I said, I know I've kind of been looking for opportunities, but now I, I need to, you know, it's, it's the right time. It's the right yeah. time. And, and I had the right uh, motivation. And so, yeah, it was a very interesting experience. I still got a lot out of it. It was still very, very um, helpful and I, I greatly appreciate it, but it was, it was definitely a turning point for sure. All right. So yeah, that, so then that brings us to about 2019, right? And yeah, you're, you're ready to leave and you, you find a, another position and then we jump, we get hit by a pandemic and, <laughs> uh, and then you decide to, to buy a business, right? 
crazy, but yes, yes. Um, anytime that I talk about it, I just think to myself, what in the heck are you doing? Um, this is probably the, the dumbest decision that you've ever made. You know, I, I had a perfectly stable job, uh, perfectly decent salary. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, you know, I think at this time with the world being so strange, and people working from home, I think much longer than any of us ever anticipated. I think a lot of people are looking at their lives differently and they're reflecting and um, you know, really realizing either they love working from home or they hate it. Um, right. And I absolutely loved working from home. Yeah. It worked so well for me. So, so in the, the position I had before I, um, took ownership of the business, we did move to, to working from home in March, as did the rest of the world. <laughs> and um, I, I'm just the type of person who, um, I'm self-motivated, I was able to focus, and I was able to get so much more done at home than I ever was in the office, just because of my work style. And, you know, I know some people really don't like it, but I, I feel like I thrived in that environment. Mm -hmm. And, as I thought, again, that we would be back in the office much sooner than, than any of us are, I couldn't imagine myself going back, honestly. I just had my routine and I, I loved it. And, and I was accomplishing things, you know, very easily and very, very efficiently. Yeah. And so, you know, that was one of the reasons also why I, I started thinking about, you know, maybe this isn't a good fit for me. Maybe I need to start exploring other opportunities. And then, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I just kind of felt stifled in, in general. I felt like I wasn't able to use my skills and strengths in that position. And that was really, really hard for me. And um, so I actually talked to my husband's bosses because uh, they're very well connected in the community. And um, I just told them, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking for new opportunities. Uh, these are my skills. Here's my resume. You know, I'm not asking anything from you, but if you hear of any opportunities that I might be a good fit for, you know, yeah. let me know. And uh, from that conversation, I mean, I, I had no expectations when I went into that conversation other than, you know, just sharing information with them and hoping yeah. they could keep their, their ears, you know, open. And from that conversation is, is when I learned about the opportunity to, to purchase Career Advantage. And within two days, I had a meeting with the, the former, the founder and the former business owner. And within uh, three months, I was the new owner. And honestly, I didn't even think about it very much. I just did it. And yeah. that is very unlike me. I mean, I'm a thinker. I'm a very practical person. <laughs> yeah. I don't take risks. And um, it just felt right. And it felt like this huge load was just, you know, just taken, taken yeah. off of me. And yeah, it just felt right. So, um, you know, maybe not the smartest decision I've ever made, but um, here I am. And <laughs> now I have to, <laughs> you know, just just work really hard and, and hope, hope for the best. Yeah, well, I mean, that's great. And, you know, I it's easy to, to, to say that you didn't think about it very much, but you know, just like my perspective, just looking at your, your story and just sort of hearing the timeline, it, it just, 
the, what the theme that comes out to me is just the importance of, of being clear on your, your aspirations and, and trying stuff out consistent on a consistent basis. And then when something comes up, then you know that it, it, it could work for you. And uh, yeah, I totally agree too with the pandemic. There was a lot of clarifying elements with the pandemic, you know, working from home. And um, I think a lot of us really learned the true definition of an essential worker and right. uh, a lot of priorities were realigned. Um, so ho hopefully we can, as I said, society can take some of those lessons forward and not just let them fizzle out, but. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you bought an, an existing business, um, which, I mean, I suppose somebody could say that that is maybe easier than starting one from scratch, but I know it probably has its own challenges too. What, what have you found has been sort of beneficial for having an existing business that you kind of take over versus trying something new? Yeah, yeah. So, so Career Advantage, um, it's a, a full service career consulting company. So I help folks with um, resumes, cover letters, mock interviews, um, updating their LinkedIn profile. And then um, also with my technology background, um, I also help folks with um, personal and business websites and online portfolios. And so the, the business itself has uh, existed since 2003. Um, and it was kind of developed in, in Lawrence, Kansas, and um, it's, it has two sides to it. So there is Career Advantage, which is, um, you know, general helping individuals in all levels, all professions with their career development. And then there's also a, um, a side that's called Career Advantage Golf, which specializes in helping folks in the, the golf industry, specifically uh, golf course superintendents uh, with their career development. And so um, the, the original owner, um, the founder, she, she established this, this business and was really um, using it as a, you know, a part-time gig, um, mm -hmm. sort of a passion project. Um, it, it was definitely her job and she um, put tons of, of passion and effort into it. Um, but she also um, was helping with some other things too in the community and helping with her husband's business. And so um, for her, it was what she needed it to be, you know, a, a part-time mm -hmm. opportunity where she could utilize her passions and, you know, give, give back to the, the community and help with help folks with career development. And yeah. um, so, you know, she already had the brand, she had logos, she had a website, and, you know, she did have an established um, client base. Um, of course, with career development, um, a lot of the transactions are, are one-offs, right? You know, sure. you might have a, a client that you see, you know, one time, you help one time, and you never hear from them again. But there are other clients who seek assistance, and, you know, they appreciate and uh, you know get a lot out of the the service and so five years later they're able to make are wanting to make another transition and so they they call the 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 business back right for for future yeah. help and so yeah. i have had um you know quite a few return clients uh, from that established base which i think is a really helpful starting point um especially because uh there hadn't been a whole lot of of marketing and branding of the business um, you know, the, the previous owner, like I said, you know, it, it was for her what she needed it to be. And mm -hmm. she didn't need any, any more 
um, you know, clients or, or sure. um, you know, connections. Whereas I, I do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I need, I need more. I, I need this, um, you know, part-time business to become a, a full-time yeah. opportunity. And so just the, you know, having that foundation of an established business, um, you know, has really been helpful um, mm. because now I can, you know, really try to build on what's already there and try to make connections, um, you know, from the connections that have already been made. And yeah. so I think that that's, that's really, really beneficial. You know, um, when I thought about leaving the University of Kansas uh, a few years ago, I had considered starting my own career consulting business. It was just mm -hmm. something I thought, you know, well, heck, maybe I could do this. I, I, right. I think I'd be really good at it. And I have the skills and I knew of this other business career advantage and um, knew it, it was a great business. And, you know, I didn't want to compete with, right. with her. And, um, and so I just thought, okay, you know, there's already something like that here in Lawrence. We don't need another one. I, you know, so I just kind of brushed it aside and so, um, you know, looking back though, had there not been, been another business like this already here, you know, I don't know if I would have started my own thing or not, but, um, you know, whether you start your own business or you purchase an existing business, a, a lot of the processes are the same um, because, I mean, you have to get a new tax ID number. You have to, um, you know, kind of get your name out there. Yeah. You have to set up your own, um, you know, mechanism. Well, I did, I just set up my own mechanism for, for taking payments and, um, sure. um, you know, setting up a bank account and processing all, of, or I'm sorry, keeping track of all of the, you know, receipts and everything for tax purposes. I mean, those are just things that I've had to learn on my own, you know, whether I started my own business or, or bought an existing business. Those are all those, um, you know, administrative things that have to be done yeah. that, I mean, I didn't take a class that ever taught me that. So I've just really been, um, you know, learning by doing it's, you yeah. know, I learn something new every day, but um, <laughs> doing a lot of, you know, Google searches and reading a lot of articles and trying to connect with the right people to, to make sure that I am, doing everything correctly and, um, you know, making sure that I have everything documented correctly and, and all of that. Um, right. But, you know, just like at, at, at KU, like I said, I mean, the thing that I appreciated the most was that I was able to take advantage of so many opportunities and there were so many, you know, professional development and skill building opportunities that were presented to me. I'm finding that now as well. So, you know, it's, it just kind of comes full circle. I mean, I just joined the chamber, the chamber last week and I had my introductory meeting on Thursday and there are so many opportunities in the community that I never even knew about hmm. that I need to now immerse myself in. So, um, you know, just like at KU, I, I'm trying to, to dive into all of these opportunities, make as many connections as possible, build my network, um, and really not say no to anything right now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a time where, you know, you hear that you do, you need to say no because you can't yeah. do everything. You can't be everything for everyone. But I feel like as a new business owner, I do need to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I do need to do some, um, 
you know, kind of like free, free presentation, you know, things like that, just yeah. to, to get established, to, to get my name out there, to build that credibility. And so, although I feel like, you know, I, I never have enough time in the day, never, I'm just always running around like a chicken with my head chopped off and just jumping from here to there. I, I'm not saying no to anything right now. Yeah. And every day, like I said, I learn something new and I just have this giant list of things I need to do and look into. And I've started doing this this week, which has been really helpful. I've really devoted the first, well, first of all, I started getting up an hour earlier to give myself more time in the day. <laughs> and I've started devoting like the first couple hours of the day just to administrative work, yep. um, you know, and marketing and networking and social media and, you know, cleaning up, you know, tax information and stuff like that. Like this morning, I just, I went in and I cleaned up my QuickBooks to make sure mm -hmm. that all my receipts were marked appropriately and, um, you know, everything was right. So I wasn't doing that. And so I felt a little bit more scattered, but now I kind of have a system that I'm just going to start my day with administrative things and then, you know, move into to working on um, you know, clients' resumes and, and meeting with clients and, and things like that. So um, it's been really, really great. But um, it's just, it's funny how no matter what you're doing, there are a lot of the same themes, you know, sure. just learning what is out there that you can take advantage of. And a lot of it's free, which is mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, yes, I had to pay to join the chamber. But once you do that, like there were so many things that I, there are so many things that I can get involved in now. And even some things that were available to me, um, if I wasn't a member of the chamber that, you know, that I could, could take part in. And um, I've joined a lot of women business groups, which is really great. Uh, there's yeah, great. Women's, women's business network here in Lawrence. I just had a, a meeting with them. Um, there's Lawrence Lady Boss organization. So, you know, things like that, that, um, you know, if you just Google, you can find a group that's a good fit for you and a good yeah. fit that's going to be a good network for you and, you know, be your, be your allies. And I, I encourage people to do that. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I kind of want to go back to something that you, you just mentioned really about um, figuring out your sort of structure of your day and your routine and just talk more about the importance of that. I know with, with myself, I have to be, I can get mired into just answering email all day and, and then realize I haven't done any sort of programmatic work. It's all just been sort of reactive, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And so maybe can you share a little bit more about what your how you, how you've developed that, that sort of schedule for yourself? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, there were times, especially um, at the university that I found myself in the, the same situation and I still do a little bit now and, and I'll explain what I mean by that here in a minute. Yeah. But um, yeah, there were days that I just felt like I was, you know, running, running, running. And, you know, like you said, just um, answering emails and, and doing everything in the moment, just constantly. And then, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you look back and you think, what did I accomplish? You know, I mean, there were literally some days where I was talking to a friend and I said, I know I did a lot today and I know I worked really hard today, but I can't tell you one thing that I accomplished. And, I mean, seriously. And it yeah, was because I had just like, like checked my email all day, you yeah. know, 
Right. And so, um, I mean, one thing, and I, I this is going to be probably repetitive to you, Kevin. And I mean, you might not even remember this, but um, when we were in staff fellows, I, I shared this with the group. Um, so uh, Dr. D'Angela Burns-Wallace was um, my, my assigned mentor for that program. And the first meeting that we ever had, she um, just started talking to me about her organizational system and it yeah. blew my mind. It blew my mind. Um, basically, you know, she said that um, she schedules every single thing every single day on her calendar. And she, so if she, and she wouldn't um, open an email unless she was going to read it uh-huh. and do some sort of action with it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean that she had to like absolutely address the email, but if she opened it and realized that she needed to do something and didn't have the time to do it right then and there, she mm-hmm. would schedule it on her calendar. Yeah. And I thought, you know, wow, what a, a, a cool idea. You know, I just had never thought of that because, you know, how many times do you open an email and all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh, I thought this was going to be a one minute response. And right. now I have this huge thing that I need to do. And I don't know when I'm going to do it. And if I do it now, it's going to push, push me <laughs> off track of everything else I needed to do today. And so I started doing that. And, um, I, the first thing that I did is I just took a Friday because, you know, Fridays, yep. just it's a good day to, to, to do things a little bit differently. I took a Friday, I blocked my entire calendar, didn't have any meetings, didn't meet with any students. And I said, um, you're going to clean out your email. And by the end of the day, you're not going to have any emails in your account. And I did it. I just, I cleaned out my email and it was at zero and I was so excited. Um, So I, what I did is when I, when I opened the email, if it was something quick, you know, that I could just immediately respond to, I did it. And if it was something that I needed to act on, I responded and said, you know, Hey, thank you for the email. I received it. I will get back to you on Wednesday or whatever, or I need more information. And then I scheduled it on my calendar. I put it in my outlook calendar and I copied and pasted the email in there and I would really adhere to that schedule. And I mean, it took a lot of discipline but when I was doing that, I was so productive because I didn't all of a sudden have 192 emails in my inbox that felt to me super overwhelming mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of almost like claustrophobic in a way. Yeah. Um, and so I would be able to adhere to that for quite some time. And when I did, it was fantastic. Um, there were times of course that unexpected things would come up and things would get a little out of control and I wasn't able to adhere to that. And when that happened, at least for me, I wasn't nearly as productive. Yeah. And so then again, what I would do is I would realize that, you know, okay, I'm really frantic. I'm not being productive. I'm not, um, you know, just being as effective as I, I can be. And so again, I would reset, I would take a Friday clean out my inbox and kind of start over. (laughs) And so anyway, I just say that because um, that was something that was extremely helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And when I'm able to do that, it has been, it's been life-changing. The other thing that she did was um, she would have a folder for each day of the week. And so any 
papers or anything that she needed for uh, meetings each day of the week, she would put those immediately in those folders and just have that folder ready every day to take with her, um, you know, to, from meeting to meeting. So, so that was Tuesday she was folder and a Wednesday folder. Thursday exactly. Folder. Exactly. And so I had yeah. that as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, that worked, that worked really well. So anyway, long story short, um, I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> and um, I do find myself being um, a little bit scattered and so I need to start implementing that, that system again. So, uh, you know, baby steps, uh, like I said, yeah. right now, what I've really done is, um, you know, tried to devote the first two hours of the day because I'm not going to be talking to somebody at 6 a.m. You know, I mean, I'm right. just, I'm not. Right. So that's a time I know I'm not going to be seeing a client. Um, it's a little too early for me to focus on a resume. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, right now, baby steps, I'm trying to devote, um, time and, you know, keep a list that I'm, you know, checking off things. And as I learn new things, I'm adding to the list. So um, I'm not doing a super great job right now, but I, I'm, I'm trying and I need to get back into that, that system that that's worked so well for me in the past. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the whole point too, where it's, you get a system and then it works and then, you know, but life inevitably changes on you and evolves. And, and so your system has to adapt as well. And, and now, now you're in a position where you can really pay attention to your day. And it's like, if, even if, you know, if working on resumes at nine o'clock at night is actually your key time, that's okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, when, not, it's not, it's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But yeah, exactly. I mean, like, um, I mean, just, shameless plug here. Um, I'm also a personal trainer. And um, so I I have another business called the Fit Advantage. And so like fitness has been a huge part of my life for so long and nutrition. And so that's one thing that working from home really allows me to, to control more. I mean, like I, if, if I have meetings later in the evening, because sometimes my clients can't meet until after work, you know, now I can work out in the morning if I want yeah. to and just, you know, shift my day. Right. And um, as far as like all the food that I eat, you know, it's, it's readily available and I can just um, kind of have my schedule where I eat, you know, certain things at certain times. And, and it's really easy to do that because yeah, I'm completely in, in control and can flex, you know, as needed. I like the, you know, my schedule has gotten a little bit looser since I graduated, since I finished my PhD, but my, my calendar was kind of the same as, as Dr. Burns Wallace talked about where I didn't schedule absolutely everything, but like I had key structures in my day where, you know, from like three until seven thirty at night was, was family time. And, you know, once my son was asleep then and, you know, Sunday, Sundays through Tuesday nights, I would write, and then other nights of the week and spend time with my spouse, you know, it's, it's like right. just really, really being deliberate and intentional about trying to fit everything in. Right. Having that structure, I think for a yeah. lot of people is helpful. Not everyone. Yeah. I mean, some people don't function very well like that, but, yeah. Yeah. but for me, it's, it's definitely important. And it sounds yeah. like for you also, definitely. So let's dive into a little bit more um, about specifically career advantage. Um, what what kinds of things do you, you know um, do you offer and and do 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, really, I, I focus more on kind of the job search elements of career development and personal branding. So, you know, not so much the career counseling, you know, figuring out what you want to be when you grow up sort of thing. Sure. But it's more um, those those job search and professional branding type of, of um, services. So okay. um, I can review resumes. If you, you know you have a resume, you just want someone to take a look and give you some feedback. I absolutely do that. Um, if you really have no idea where to start, maybe you're not the best writer. Um, you have great strengths and skills, but you just need help getting it down on paper. Um, mm -hmm. I do that as well um, for both resumes and cover letters. Uh, LinkedIn profiles. I do um, complete reviews of LinkedIn profiles and provide feedback on how to enhance your, your profile and utilize LinkedIn to the best of your ability, either um, if you are searching for a job or just wanting to use it for, for personal branding. Um, mock interviews. I think, I think a lot of people don't realize that practicing interviews is so important. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, people think that they, they do well in an interview, but they may not be doing as well as they think they are. And then, of course, that leads to them not not getting the job. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you the, the phrase, you know, practice makes perfect. I, I think that's definitely the case with interviewing. I mean, no, of course, you're never going to be perfect. But the more you can practice that um, that situation and answering questions and utilizing um you know, stories that you have to express your strengths and your qualifications that align directly with the type of position you're, you're um, looking for the better. So I do mm -hmm. mock interviews where, um, you know, we pretend that it's a real interview. I ask questions that are tailored to your industry and then we, uh, we talk about them after, after we're done. And then I also provide some written feedback so you can look back on that to, to do some further reflection and, and take the, the tips that we talked about and put those into practice. Um, and then the other side, oh, I'm sorry. I bet that's really helpful. I, I think that's that's a hard part about a lot of job searches where you, you kind of submit your, your materials to this this email address and then you never hear anything. <laughs> you Or you might hear something six months later, um, but even if you hear something, it's not, not actual feedback, you know, it's. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I've worked with some clients recently who have told me that they interviewed for a job and they didn't get it and they tried to get feedback from mm -hmm. the people and they wouldn't give it to them. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's frustrating, you know, I mean, if you think you did a really great job um, but you have no idea why you weren't selected, you know, that's really hard to, to figure out if you can do something to, you know, to, to do, to do a better job next time, it would be nice to right. know that. And so, right. um, yeah, I think that that's a, a great learning opportunity that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Um, so yeah, I do do mock interviews for any industries, any, any levels. And then, um, also the personal branding, like I said, um, you know, aside from LinkedIn, um, I do, uh, like personal, portfolios where you can, you know, if you're in an industry where you can demonstrate, um, you know, your accomplishments, a portfolio is a great way to do that. And you can include that on your resume. You can refer to that information in an interview. And, um, you know, specifically, I do a lot of those for golf course superintendents where they can show off the, the before and after of their, 
fabulous projects they're doing on the golf courses. And I get to see these amazing pictures, you know, all over the world. And it's really cool. And then also just, um, you know, websites for, you know, small businesses. Um, I just did one for an event actually for a, um, a virtual conference for pilots. Um, I'm working on two for a couple of small businesses here in Lawrence right now. And um, I mean, that's really fun because, you know, I yeah. get to help people and I, I get to be creative, which yeah. is really fun, fun for me. And I get to use those technology skills that I developed managing technology for years at, at yeah. the, the Career Center. So yeah, those are the main, main things that I do with, with Career Advantage. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, it sounds like it's, I mean, the need is there, you know, people, um, that, that kind of personalized and, and individual guidance is, is so valuable. Um, yeah. you know, cause you can sit there and you can Google or search for advice on, on resumes all day long. And you can find probably instances. Well, I know personally, I've, I've gotten feedback from, from people that have explicitly contradicted each other yep. <laughs> we're like do this yes. nope don't do that <laughs> yes no I, I know i had a client just who called me a couple of days ago with that exact same situation absolutely <laughs> and you know what i found is is a couple of things one i think a lot of people have a really hard time recognizing and translating their strengths yeah you know i mean we're we're taught, you know, to be humble and to not, you know, brag and, and things like that, but you kind of have to brag a bit. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do, you know, and, you know, a lot of people, um, their documents are very generic. They're very duty-based and so responsibility-based. And so what we right. talk about is, you know, this is all, all great what you do, but what have you accomplished? What are your strengths? What are your unique skills? And then that gets them to really start thinking a little bit more deeply. And then we can represent them, um, you know, much better in their resume. And they start seeing like the, the transformation and how it's so much different than that, yeah. you know, original generic duty-based document that they had before. And so it's really cool to, to hear people say things like, you know, like, oh, I, I never thought of that before. I never mm -hmm. considered that to be important. I mean, you know, what I've really found a lot of times is that people forget to include their leadership skills and their leadership ability and, you know, how they work with people and how they collaborate, you know, across groups and, you know, work with, um, you know, diverse groups and things like that. And so, um, you know, those are all transferable skills that are very important yeah. in all industries. And so those are the things that we also try to, to highlight, you know, in addition to those more, you know, technical industry, you know, based skills as well. So yeah, it's, it's been really fun to get to know people and see them uh, kind of have those aha moments of like, oh, I never thought of that before. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is really important. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Uh, we we're a lot of us are pretty good at minimizing things that we've accomplished and, and our actual abilities and in, in, in leadership and communication and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So career advantage. So I sort of hear you sort of working on uh, the mind and the body. So you have career advantage and then you have the fit advantage, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's more just, it's just a fun thing that I've always 
wanted to do. Like I said, I've been passionate about it myself just personally for so many years. And then when I was working from home for the first time in my life, I found that I had some time. And uh, so I said, what the heck, I'm going to do it. And so for um, about, about a month, um, a little over a month, I spent, you know, every hour over lunch, just studying and learning and taking the tests and, and getting certified. And so, um, so yeah, it's just kind of more of a passion project and we'll kind of see where it goes. I mean, my main focus is career advantage. Um, I mean, that's, you know, where I'm spending most of my energy, but, you know, I, I think it'd be really fun to, to help people uh, through the, the fitness industry as well. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the stuff you're working on, it just, you know, you seem to embody the idea of experiential learning and experiential education. Um, Definitely. And also the idea of, of lifelong learning. Um, yes. I find it's kind of ironic. Some, sometimes the people I, some of the people I talk with about lifelong learning, they see it as um, something that we need to instill in our students, but they don't necessarily want to model it themselves. <laughs> right. um, and, but I hear, you know, all the stuff that you're diving into um, really embodies that idea. So, can you comment on, on what lifelong learning means to you in terms of just personally, but also just with, with students and, and everybody? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think somewhat, I mean, it's just ingrained in me. I mean, you know, I said at the very beginning, I started out as a high school English teacher. And right. so like my entire professional career, I mean, no matter what I've been doing or where I've worked, I've been an educator. And again, that's not something that I grew up thinking that I was going to do. Um, in fact, the reason I became a high school English teacher is actually the worst reason that you should ever become anything. <laughs> um, when I was, when I was um, at a, a, a junior college, my first two years, I was given some uh, inaccurate advice um, or inaccurate information, I should say. Um, I was told that if I wanted to major in psychology, in the state of Kansas, the only school that I could go to was the University of Kansas. Uh. And at the time, I did not want to go to the University of Kansas. That was the last place in the state that I wanted <laughs> to go to school. And so I basically thought I was forced to change my major. Yeah. And I happened to be really good at all of my English classes. I really enjoyed them. And so I thought, okay, I'll become an English teacher. And so I did. And that was, you know, a terrible idea, but um, it, it ended up helping me get to where I am today because if I didn't have that bachelor's sure. in education, I may not have gotten into the school of education, counseling, psychology program. You know, I mean, everything right. happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I made some great connections. My best friend is, is um, one of my best friends is uh, one of the first teachers that I ever met. You know, we were both new teachers at a school and um, now we've been great friends for nearly 20 years. So, you know, I still got a lot out of that. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I've been an educator since I graduated from, from college. And so, um, you know, I think it's important though to you know, like we've talked about, education is more than just schooling, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more than uh, a bachelor's degree, an associate's degree, a certificate program, a, a technical yeah. college, whatever, a PhD. It's more than that. 
So yeah. you can gain so many skills and gain so much knowledge, again, just by immersing yourself in different opportunities, taking advantage of free trainings that are available either online or in the community or, um, you know, just through reading. I mean, yeah. like there's just so much that you can learn and gain. And so, um, I, I think it's just really important to, to understand that, that learning is not necessarily a formal education. Right. And, um, you know, I think I kind of alluded to this before, but I really wish that more recruiters would realize that. Mm -hmm. And some absolutely do, but, you know, when working in, in um, career services in higher education for so many years, so many times I would see job postings that required a certain degree. Yeah. And that was so frustrating to us because we know that, especially, you know, liberal arts education, students are gaining so many transferable skills. And with some training and some guidance, you know, they could be successful in a number of industries, you yeah. know, and it's just so frustrating that just because they don't have that piece of paper that says they have a bachelor of science in business, that mm -hmm. they can't even apply for this job that they could be amazing at, right. you know, I mean, just to use you as an example, we had, we did have some employers who were very open and um, you know, understood this. And they said that music majors often were some of their best employees. Right and <laughs> I think a lot of times it's because of that creativity, that yeah. dedication that you have to have to master an instrument, you know, to practice some, you know, so those, those employers who are more open and understand that, you know, that, that piece of paper isn't as important, I think, um, are, are fantastic. So I just wish there were more uh, employers and, and recruiters who who understood that. Right. Um, because you know, in, in our society, it's so hard to go back to school. It's so expensive. I mean, mm -hmm. just to give you an example, uh, a few years ago when I was just kind of rethinking, you know, what I want to what I want to be when I grow up, um, mm -hmm. I considered going back to school and getting a, a bachelor's in nutrition and becoming a, a certified dietitian. Yeah. And um, when I looked into it, I mean, minimum it was going to cost me over thirty five thousand dollars for a bachelor's degree. I already have one bachelor of science, two master's degrees, and it was going to, I was going to have to take that many credits. And, you know, that's just not doable for very many people. And so I just, it's so frustrating to me. So I think the more that you can, again, immerse yourself in opportunities and make the right connections and, you know, network with people who can see you you know, beyond the education can really see right. you for your skills, your abilities, your, um, you know, transferable skills, then, you know, maybe that will help, um, you know, get to that next step, whatever it may, may be. Yeah, I, I like all that. I, I think it seems to me like there, there is sort of a growing trend in, in the private sector anyway, of kind of moving away from listing a, a degree and more skills based in their, in their postings, but but yeah, it's still definitely a, a, a prevalent, you know, requirement or sort of filter for, for applications. 
Right. Well, and who knows? I mean, with the pandemic, it could shake everything up entirely. And we may be seeing, you know, totally different things as far as, you know, recruitment and things like that go. So yeah, who knows? Just the more that you can, you know, gain the skills and knowledge to make yourself marketable, you know, the better. Just take advantage of opportunities when they, they come to you and seek those opportunities. You know, don't just be passive and wait for someone to give you an opportunity. Find it. you know absolutely um great so i kind of want to bring bring up sort of something that that's coming up when when we're talking about seeking opportunities you know and and seeking people oftentimes when people are talking about like building your network they talk about trying to find like a, a mentor and there's been a lot of discussion about the value of mentors and, and I, I think there's kind of a not kind of there's a wide range of interpretation of what what a mentor means and actually um you bringing up uh dr burns wallace reminded me of of this reminds me of, of her talk with the staff fellows too but it just, it just pause for a minute she, she's just amazing anyway yes. I, i'm so impressed, <laughs> yes. impressed by her um but when she talked about mentors, I remember she talked about developing your own board of directors and thinking about thinking about it in that way where, where you find different people that can advise you on different things depending on their expertise. And I thought that was really, really helpful for me because I always had this sense of like, I, got to, I need to find somebody that's going to help me grow. And, you know, but, and also in the music world, you know, that's usually your instrument teacher, like your trombone teacher that you have that you work with for four years while you're working on your bachelor's or, right. you know, um, but this idea of, of border directors, I think is, is an interesting thing to play with. Um, have you had some mentors in your life that you think of or, or not? You know, right, if you right. Haven't? So, you know, I always have thought that it'd be really cool to have a mentor. <laughs> you know, in, in the true sense of the word. Um, but that's, I, I've never really found someone like that, like a particular person who is a mentor in the true sense of the word. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I started thinking about this, um, I realized I have a lot of peer mentors, a lot of peer mentors. So I guess you could think of those as kind of my board of directors, like you, you just yeah. mentioned. So um, a couple of things. Um, One, I talked about the Management and Leadership Institute with the Mm -hmm. National Association of Colleges and Employers. And at the very end of that that program, you pick someone who's your your partner and um, you're supposed to connect with them at least once a month and continue to have conversations. And the, the idea is that you would pick someone who kind of has, you know, similar experiences as you, similar challenges, things like that. And I was lucky. And the person that, um, you know, that we, we chose each other, it has been amazing. Um, It it just worked out so perfectly. It's so funny because I know so many people who have gone through MLI and they are like, yeah, I've never talked to my partner ever. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Um, Because Katie and I talk minimally once every two months, minimally. And that has been such a valuable relationship. Uh, You know, we're both in career services. We've had a lot of similarities in our professional lives. And it's just so nice to have someone to talk to 
outside of your organization who can give that, you know, that, um, you know, feedback and you can bounce ideas off of. And, and even though now, you know, I'm in, um, you know, self-employment and she's still at the university, um, we still find so much that we can talk about and so many sure. ways that we can still help each other. And yeah. so similarly, um, through the Aspire program, the other leadership program I talked about, we were um, automatically assigned a group of eight people. And, you know, when there's automatic assignments, that can either go really well or really badly. And my group just clicked. I mean, we got along so well during that week together. And I mean, we spent the entire week together and we got to know each other really well. And again, we have, um, usually it's, we, we have check-ins every two to three months. And I just met with both of those, uh, Katie, my MLI partner and my Aspire group this week. And every time we get together, it's just, it's amazing. And again, mm -hmm. just the ability to, you know, talk about challenges or um, accomplishments or, you know, um, good things that are happening, bad things that are happening, get ideas from people. It's just fantastic. So, I mean, I would say I have those peer mentors who are just invaluable. Mm -hmm. And then um, just some other folks, um, you know, in the industry that I made, you know, fantastic relationships through um, Kansas Association of Colleges and Employers. So more of a okay. regional professional development organization. Mm -hmm. I immersed myself in that organization and um, ended up being a chair of multiple committees. I was on the board for seven years. I was the president. Um, and from that, I established so many relationships with career professionals across Kansas and Missouri. And so I have all of those people that I can call upon and, you know, yeah. a couple of them that I talk to and meet with regularly. And then, you know, of course, colleagues at the University of Kansas also. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, rather than a, a true mentor, I would say that I have a really fantastic network of people that I can really count on and, you know, yeah. they can count on me. And I mean, that's just something that has been so so valuable to me. And I look forward to all of those conversations anytime I get to connect with any of them. And I know that I can contact them anytime, you know, for anything. Yeah. You know, out, even outside of our scheduled meetings. So that's, that's been really helpful. Yeah, wonderful. Well, and, and you offered up that a little, I want to kind of isolate something you said there too, like, you know, you can count on them, but they can also count on you. Like this idea of just, you know, taking from a mentor is not really the, the spirit of that relationship, you know, just yes. really, you know, what, what can you offer up to this person or, or these people so that everybody can grow together? I think that's the, that's the key with those, the idea of mentors and peer mentoring. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a take relationship. It's definitely should be <laughs> a, a give and take relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the case with any networking, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. not just, you know, a true like peer mentorship and a, a true relationship, but, you know, any networking, you, yeah. yes, ultimately you hope to get something out of it, but you need to be willing to give as well. And when you do that, people are going to be more um, likely to help you, right? Yeah. And to want to help you. Yep. And experiential ed, we've, you know, I have some students that will, they'll finish a rotation and I'll ask how it went. And they said, well, we didn't really do anything. And I was like, well, you were there for a whole month. What do you mean you didn't do anything? And 
another colleague of mine always used to use the analogy of, of you know, we try, we're trying to get students to not be birds in the nest being fed by, by the mama bird just sitting there with their mouth open, you know, because it's like, what are you going to offer to this? This is time for you to engage with it and, exactly. and, and test things out and figure it out and get, you know, really get in there. So um, yeah. it's that active learning rather than passive, you know, it's, it's hands-on, it's get in there, immerse yourself. I can't say that enough. Yeah. That, that can be a really hard switch for people though, because we, we are so accustomed to observing. I mean, we're, we're trained to observe basically from, from first grade on, right. Sit in the classroom, right. raise your hand. If you have to say something, you know, um, and then after a while, you know, all sorts of schooling and then like, Nope. Okay. Now flip. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and I've, I think, I think luckily, um, and of course I've been out of, of secondary education for quite some time, but I think a lot of schools are trying to shift, you know, elementary and secondary schools are trying to shift a bit more to mm-hmm. and a more experiential um, style, which I think is, is fantastic because, yeah. you know, at least in my experience, um, a lot of students, like you said, they're not exposed to that early on and they, um, they aren't exposed to different careers and career exploration. And then all of a sudden they graduate from high school and they're expected to choose a career path, whether it's going straight into a full-time job or getting a certificate or going to a, a, you know, a university and they haven't experienced anything. I mean, how are you supposed to make a decision like that when you're 18 years old, you come from a town of 2000 people and (laughs) all you know is what your parents and your aunts and uncles do. You know, I mean, yeah, I just yeah. think that that's, it's, it's just so frustrating, you know, how that, yeah. how that works. Yeah. It, well, it absolutely is, you know, and there's a, a whole range of, of things that inform students' decisions. I, I remember I wanted to be an architect when I was, I think I was a freshman in high school and I was, I was thinking I wanted to, to go into architecture as a career. Um, and I said that to one of my teachers and, uh, she said, oh, well, your handwriting isn't good enough to be an architect. <laughs> and as a freshman in high school, a teacher says something like to, that to you, you, know, you, you don't really know what to do, <laughs> do with that kind of information. Right. Like, uh, like, thank you for the feedback. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you mean? What am I supposed to do with that? Um, but then I, you know, I had some really defining, like, absolutely memorable experiences in music and that really just switched it on for me and so good bad right or wrong I knew exactly what I wanted to go into in in college but it it did sort of create sort of tunnel vision for me though too you know I um uh I think I I probably would have benefited from exploring some other things when I was in undergrad sure absolutely (laughs) that exploration it's so key you know yeah. Um, you know, try different things out. You, you really need, uh, you know, students, people just, they need to try different things out because until you've tried, you have no idea whether you like it or not. If you've never been yeah. exposed to it, you've never tried it. I mean, just one quick example. Um, there was a time at the career center where all of a sudden um, I had to be more in charge of some, um, you know, technological aspects of my job. And I had never been exposed to technology. I didn't have social media. I, I knew nothing, honestly, about mm-hmm. technology, but I was just kind of um, thrown into to some tasks that required me to, to gain some new knowledge. And so 
I um, started learning, uh, started teaching myself, and I found out that I really loved it. And so I started working on the weekends teaching myself, and then that's what compelled me to go back to school and get the the master's in educational technology. Um, yeah. And you know, had I not kind of been thrown into that, I never would have found out that it's something that I really loved, and mm-hmm. I never would have gotten that degree, and I wouldn't be building websites for people right now. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just you yeah. know everything. Just it's it's all experiential. It's all happenstance. And it's just, um, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Really? Yep. Well, I think kind of what I wanted to do to sort of wrap up this, this conversation is just take from you some sort of, uh, some pieces of wisdom that you kind of carry with you daily. Um, if you have some, some mantras that you repeat or some key authors you think about, uh, something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I have a little office now. Um, it's just a, a little space in my basement. Um, so I don't quite have as, as much as I used to in my office, but in my, my former offices, um, I had two things on my wall. Um, you know, one of the, the pictures said, don't wish for it, work for it. Nice. And like uh, the other one said, uh, deliver amazing service, take ownership of everything, commit to continuous improvement, embrace creativity and innovation, build a positive team environment and make it count. And then, nice. um, you know, I referred to the, the personal training a, a while back and um, on my, my social media, it says work harder than you think you did yesterday. Uh-huh. And so I think that, you know, the common theme there is, is work hard. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. kind of what I've tried to instill um, in me and I've you know tried to instill in my students over the the course of the years when I was a career coach or that I, I taught courses at, at KU but um, you know you have to work hard again you can't just sit back and be passive and and hope for things to fall into place or hope for things to come to you yeah you have to make things happen and that's that's what I'm trying to do so <laughs> But uh, I hope, hope that it, like I said, I hope it works out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and those, those sayings that you have there, what I like is there is this sort of undercurrent of personal accountability too, being a huge, yes. being a huge aspect of it, like work hard yes. and, and assess whether you actually are working hard. You know, it's like, you thought you worked hard yesterday, but work harder than that. You know, um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah, I agree. Personal accountability is, is huge. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my last question too, that I wanted, wanted to ask you um, with experiential at hub.com, what themes that I'm kind of focusing on is um, curiosity and growth. And when you hear the words, those words, curiosity and growth, what, what comes to mind for you? Again, I think, I know I, I'm kind of sound like a broken record, but um, you don't know what you know. And so remaining curious is, is so important because by being curious and seeking knowledge and answers, you're going to, to learn things about yourself. Um, you're going to learn new skills that you have. You're going to gain new knowledge that could lead, you know, to a really great 
new opportunity. So, and, and that's where the growth comes into play. You know, it's like that, that yeah. curiosity, if you, you dive into that curiosity and you actually take action, um, you take, you know, that self, you know, personal responsibility to find answers to things or, you know, to just learn a new perspective, walk in someone else's shoes. Uh, you're going to gain so much as an individual that's going to help you, you know, learn and grow not only professionally, but just, you know, a, as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, yeah, I, I think those, those things are, they kind of, they go hand in hand in, in my mind. And um, again, I think that's a lot of, of how I ended up where I am today. You know, like I said, with the immersing myself in the technology, yes, I was given, I, I was kind of forced, you know, to learn the technology, but it was my curiosity that made me dive into it so deeply and right. spend hours upon hours on a Saturday in the office teaching myself <laughs> Adobe yeah. InDesign and then realizing, you know, I'm even, I want to learn even more. I want to take in even more information, which compelled me to get the master's degree in educational technology. So it's just that constant, um, yeah. you know, hunger um, for, for new information and, and, um, skill development. And I think that, you know, it's really great if, if people are able to do that and it'll help them, you know, get to where they, they want to be. Maybe they don't even know it's a place they want to be, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your, your time today. I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast for our first episode. You're welcome. I'm, I'm so happy to be the, you know, inaugural guest. (laughs) Well, right on. And good luck with, with career advantage and fit advantage. And I'll make sure and put your, uh, your website and links in the, in the, in the show notes and on, on the website. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we met and, and stuff else. Just another connection that I never yep. would have had, had <laughs> I not, uh, you know, jumped to a, jumped into an opportunity. So right. well, thank you so much. And I, I wish you the very best. And I, I'm for us for you.